Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. More evidence Team GOP hates you. Guess who's back? Back again to spit some truth. And of course, it's a deep dive Thursday. So we're going to deep dive on the new mortgage rules, the housing market, what you've heard, and what's the reality of what is going on? Because we've got some numbers, we've got some reality checks that people need to have. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. This is Critical Thinking. Good deep dive Thursday to you, Pat. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I, I only had to sit through a four-hour board meeting last night, so I am fantastic. I mean... What, I, why do I torture myself, Pat? Why, why? Because you're a morning person, and this is, this is uh, justice for you being a morning person. No, justice would be you being a morning person, or Ashley being a morning person. No, no. That would be justice. Because I'm sane. You're a ginger. You're disqualified from being sane. No, I'm disqualified from having a soul. I'm not disqualified from being sane. That's debatable. But speaking of debatable, um, we're going to talk about the realities and the fictions and the things you've heard versus the truth in the housing market. Because I don't know, being a realtor and being close to lenders, um, I, I tend to get the the real truth, the unvarnished truth, and I have access to numbers and data that can back up any sort of claim that I'm about to make. So we're going to talk about that later. But before we get into that, I mean, quite literally, Pat, um, you know, the day after Joe Biden announces that he's going to run for president, well, two days after, because that would have happened on Tuesday morning as we were getting up and getting ready for the show that uh, Joe Biden snuck one in on us about his announcement um, at like four in the morning. But um, that all notwithstanding, you would think that after that would happen, right, that Team GOP would put its best face forward in terms of the multitude of candidates that are currently running or allegedly about to run, right? You would think that. Instead, Team GOP and one of the most recognizable of the minor quote unquote candidates decides to let you know and remind you, I should say, that Team GOP hates you. This happened yesterday when Nikki Haley was quote unquote put on the spot and was asked about the whole Ron DeSantis, the state of Florida versus Disney and the lawsuits and all of that sort of stuff. This is her response. And I want you to listen to it. And then I want you to give me your unvarnished reaction. 
Haley, I want to um, ask you about what could be another Republican candidate uh, in the field, and that is Ron DeSantis. We just learned a few moments ago that Disney is now suing the Florida governor for alleging uh, an alleging political effort to hurt their business. We've all been watching this back and forth for quite some time. Uh, this is obviously dramatically escalating the feud between Disney and Ron DeSantis. Uh, they're alleging that the Republican governor has waged a, quote, relentless campaign to weaponize government power over the company. What is your reaction to that as we still have yet to see him jump officially into the race? You know, as governor, I took a double-digit unemployment state and I turned it into an economic powerhouse. Businesses were my partners because if you take care of your businesses, you take care of your economy, your economy takes care of the people and everyone wins. And so that's the way we dealt with it. We are, South Carolina was a very anti-woke state. It still is. And if Disney would like to move their hundreds of thousands of jobs to South Carolina and bring the billions of dollars with them, I'll let them know. I'll be happy to meet them in South Carolina and introduce them to the governor and the legislature that would that would welcome it your thoughts mr padoni because i have some so what you really mean to tell me is uh for someone that's claiming to not be woke that you're willing to bring in probably one of the if not the most woke company in america currently to your state because it's a business and be an economic boonie. Do you not recognize the culture war that you're in and how Disney is more or less at the center of that culture war in many ways? I mean, or do you even care? Because here's the thing, just because you bring business to your state doesn't mean it's good business. It doesn't mean it's business that won't insult you. Disney will insult you. It will insult the values of all South Carolinians. That's not good business. That's not good economics. And for all intents and purposes, if you're trying to keep your state not woke, you're not you're doing a very poor job if that's the case. You can say what you want about what Ron DeSantis did with Disney and how it could be construed as authoritarian or not, which I still don't know at the end of this day because I don't know how the people in was it Orange County? And I can't remember the other. Correct. Name. Orange County. But, yep. But I, so I don't know how they feel about it. Um, if if they're OK with what, what's going on here, then that's that's one thing. If Ron DeSantis is just doing this because he feels like he can, that might be a different argument. But this is this is absolutely tell me. Tell me you hate your base without telling me you hate your base. Yeah, I think that's the number one takeaway is that she seems to not get what time it is, right? Right. And it, if you're saying that you're anti-woke, what's the invitation to bring a woke company into your fold for? Because they're going to attempt to do things that are antithetical to the values, to the um, culture, to the business culture that you have built in South Carolina. You know, Greenville, Greenville and Spartanburg, right? That area in South Carolina is one of the greatest economic engines in this country right now. You've got, uh, I think it's BMW has a plant there. You have, you know, major manufacturing going on in that area of South Carolina. It's one of the most beautiful areas in the country too, Greenville. 
Um, you've got tons and tons of really amazing, amazing natural resources to take advantage of and things of that nature. Charleston, all the history and the beauty. You've got Myrtle Beach. You've got the Outer Banks, the Low Country, right? You've got all the things that you could take advantage of there. But this is this is just demonstrating that she doesn't understand what time it is. Now, the second point that I want to make is I also think that she might not know what they're actually talking about, right? Because the, the, the fight has nothing to do with bringing jobs and, and what are you going to do, up and move Disney Disneyland, right? Yeah. Or is it Disney World? Disney World. Excuse me, Disney World. Disneyland is in LA. Uh, I always get those two mixed up. But um, what are they going to do? Up and take the Magic Kingdom and Epic, Epcot Center and the Star Wars universe and and plop it into like, I don't know, Somerville or North Charleston or... I mean, how do you how do you pick all that stuff up and move it? You, you, you don't, and you can't. You would have to completely rebuild it. But it's not even about that. It's it for me. It seems like she didn't know what was being talked about here. Because look, we don't know all of the details of the fight, but what we do know is that Ron DeSantis said, "If you are unwilling to play not just economic ball with us, right, but that your um, policies and you're going to make hires and firings and decisions on whom gets to work for you based off of wokeness and oh by the way you're also going to attempt to shove it down the throats of kids there are going to be economic repercussions for doing so and part of that is we are going to revoke the special um, economic status are you suggesting Nikki Haley that you would allow them to run their own basic government with all sorts of special um, privileges. Like I, they're extra, you know, they're above the regular police and the law and all of those things that exist in your state, which is what happened here. Mm-hmm. This, like she, I don't even think she knows any of the details. This is just her gut got a real reaction, if you will, to a knee-jerk reaction, right? It's the the instinct that she has, I should say, as I was searching I, for that word. I, I hadn't considered that she probably has no idea what the details are here. None. And, and this is one of those this is one of those topics, if, if that's true, if that's true, if this is one of those topics you would want to know those details before you ever give an answer to a question like this. Right. It, the, the way th- the way even if you believe that you wanted to attract them to South Carolina, th- you can tell she is a old school GOP politician because the, the knee jerk reaction was to initially highlight her success in South Carolina by bringing it from a double digit unemployment state to a single digit unemployment state to the booming economies that exist in Greenville, Spartanburg and in that area. And, you know. The continued uh, movement to Charleston and and Myrtle Beach and things of that nature, right? You, that's the knee jerk reaction, but it was canned. This is like this is what's been drilled into me. So it'd be one thing to say, "Hey, look, I understand how to to build an economy," right? It's one thing to highlight that in a way, but then she has to go and make some sort of a pitch to Disney. It was it should be very simple. I, I, you know, here's how I would have answered this question, Pat, I guess. 
I would have answered it very simply this. I have a very knowledgeable track record and a very well-documented track record of bringing economic success to the state of South Carolina while I was governor. That included bringing uh, big-time manufacturing jobs, which America needs. That that includes, you know, keeping our state beautiful and its historic nature uh, intact. But beyond that, I have not been following this specific story enough to comment any further, and it would behoove me not to comment on another state's governor at, un, unless I knew all of the details. And until then, I'm just not willing to comment on this story. Boom. Go forward. Boom. Yeah. Because here's here's the thing that Team GOP and why we say <clears throat> the only group that hates you more than the Democrats is the GOP. The reason why we say that is because they believe that they that this is the right way to go about all of this, right? They believe that they need to go ahead and um, answer every question. There's no authenticity. Here's the reality. People would respect an authentic answer, and that was not authentic. And beyond that, we're a very non-woke state. That's you grabbing into the bag of cliches, right? Right. And, and you struggling for an answer because you don't know the answer. He, the American people would love a politician to get up in front of them and just simply say, look, I need to study this more before I can give you an answer. Or unfortunately, I haven't been paying attention to this story because there's so many other stories to pay attention to in America that I'm not unwilling to comment at this point in time. I will look into it and, if need be, comment further. I, I think I think the American people at this point, uh, especially the GOP base, would respect some critical thinking from all candidates at this point in time. And the humility, it, it, and I, it, we've talked about this in the past, the humility to just simply say, I don't know. It is okay for for you as a PhD, you know, Dr. Anthony Fauci, excuse me, Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci. That's still wrong. Oh, shoot. Yeah, that's right. It is the truth registered trademark, the science trademark, Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Sorry, folks. It's been a while. But like, so even for him, right? He doesn't know everything. He can't. The humility to as a scientist, a humility, the humility as somebody with quote unquote expertise, right? To just say, hey, look, I don't have a definitive answer. Or more importantly, the the scientific data doesn't give us a definitive answer on this, would go a long way towards doing what, Pat? Building trust in the expertise when you do give an a, a opinion based off of the information that you have available to you. Why are we in a position in which these people just simply don't have that humility? It's because they believe they have to prove they have all of the answers all the time. It's their hubris. It's the hubris of the expert class. We have, we've grown up, Pat, our entire lives believing that if somebody puts a doctorate next to their name or says that I'm in this field or in that field, right, that they're automatic experts. 
if the last three years have taught us anything, that that's not true. That's not true in any field, by the way. Any of them. There are realtors out there telling you that this is the worst market, don't ever do anything. And that's not true because it could be true for you that this is the right time to do something. It could also be true that it's the wrong time to do something. It all depends. That's what I say all the time to my clients, to people I talk to on the street, all that sort of stuff. The answer, the only answer that is 100% accurate in real estate or in the housing market or in lending, in that, in that, uh, that whole sphere, is it depends. It literally depends. It depends on all of your own factors, external factors, all sorts of things. So there's no hard and fast rule. There are laws, right? But there are no hard and fast rules that say you have to buy, sell, you know, do anything. Go buy, go from um, owning to renting or, or whatever have you. To suggest that because you have some expertise makes you an all-the-time expert is the fallacy of today. And Pat, this is a prime example of this, right? This trap of I have to have an answer. No, you don't. You literally do not have to have an answer. Any Anything else that you have to say on, on this particular topic? Well, like I said before, I, I think I think the American people would not just respect the humility, but they would respect the critical thinking here. And yeah. and this is something that the you know a lot of the candidates right now really aren't doing on either side of the spectrum, whether it's humility or actually thinking through their answers. Um, and and this is again to your point, the hubris of said team GOP and and especially the old school GOP, they have to win. Right. Yeah. This has to be. I, I have to look like a winner. I and, have to. By look the way, like this this is also true of Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. They both have massive egos. That's very clear. And you have to, by the way, have an ego. You have to have self confidence. That's a true. They're they're synonyms of each other for a reason, right? You true. have true. to. But but there's a difference in in having an ego. And how you exercise that ego. And we're about to see a prime example of this, Pat, as we transition into the other story that broke yesterday. And that is that Tucker Carlson, after being ousted or outing himself or whatever the truth of that matter is, because again, we still don't know that truth, broke his silence. And yes, this is a man with an ego. This is a man who has built things from the ground up, by the way, the, the Heritage Foundation, the Daily Caller. He's the youngest member of Crossfire at CNN way back in the day. I remember watching him back in the day on Crossfire on CNN. And guess what, Pat? He's barely older than me. He's in his 40s still, I believe, or, or early 50s, one of the two. He's like maybe a decade older than me at best, Okay. This is a man of brilliant thought, okay? You don't get to where he has been without that, right? Without that reality, okay? You don't get there. But it is time for us to take a look at what Tucker Carlson had to say in breaking his silence. And this is the antithesis of the Nikki Haley situation. Good evening, it's Tucker Carlson. 
One of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how many genuinely nice people there are in this country, kind and decent people, people who really care about what's true, and a bunch of hilarious people also, a lot of those. It's gotta be the majority of the population, even now. So that's heartening. The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And yet at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. That's a depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. They're resorting to force. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon. So, Pat, your thoughts on what Tucker had to say there, because again, I set this up from the perspective of the humility argument. Um, that's kind of where my mind went. What about you? I mean, he dropped some truth bombs in there of the sad state of affairs of, of American media um, where there's a lack of discourse or debate, if you will, on probably the most important issues of our time, whether it be cultural, political, uh, war, um, you know, all, all of this stuff that, that that's going on in the world is has gotten little to no time but yet you know tucker carlson's being out of being out of at fox or outing himself at fox whatever the case may be there has been one of the top stories this week it probably shouldn't be and he knows it and and which which i really respect from him on, on the humility aspect but towards the end of that he brings up you know Truth will prevail, you know, and, and it'll have its day and kind of leaves this cryptic message of, of what's to come, which I'm very curious about. I, I, he is someone in media that I've come to, to truly respect. And especially since, you know, he's been absolutely fearless with exposing the truth of different stories. January 6th being probably the most recent, right? 
Yeah, I think he's done more to expose the name of Ray Epps than anybody else to the anybody. point where Ray, where he's living in Ray Epps's head, and Ray Epps has to mention Tucker Carlson on every single interview that he's been able to do as of late. I mean, right. here's the reality for me on this that on this situation is that he has been fearless in pursuit of the truth. Has he gotten it right all the time? No, no nobody, nobody can. Nobody, nobody does. does. But generally speaking, he comes with facts. He comes with backup evidence, right? He's the one who exposed the entire Tony Bobolinsky part of the story when it came to Hunter Biden's laptop. The corrobor- the corroborating evidence, if I could speak English, came from Tony Bobolinsky, right? Yeah. It wasn't the, the FBI. It was an outside source saying, yeah, I have the same emails. See, they exist right here. So I, I just I, I really struggle with people looking at it from the perspective of uh, he's out there peddling falsehoods and lies. If that's the case, sue his ass because you didn't when it came to Dominion voting. Why? Because he's on air every night pounding the ever loving crap out of the untruths coming out of the mouth of Sidney Powell. Right. Hey, Sidney, yeah. you want to come on my show? Show me the evidence. Why? Because Tucker grew up in the age of real journalism still being a thing, right? Like I mentioned Crossfire. For as much as we can argue the people that were on that show went down rabbit holes, right, later on in their careers, the reality is that they had built their careers off of being real journalists, real investigative reporters telling real truth and real stories, and then going on to debate their own personal opinions on said stories. That, that's a whole different animal. And they kind of created that genre. But Tucker was part of that apparatus that grew up understanding investigative journalism and how to do it. That, and, and I give him credit for also trying to cool the rancor a little bit. And uh, the humor and, and all the things that you mentioned up front of his upfront part of that statement. I think this is a man who has a weight lifted off his shoulders and he's about to unleash a hellfire missile on the bureaucracy in this country. And I think he's going to be the the key, the cornerstone of whatever movement removes that bureaucracy from our government. And I, I was thinking about this the other day, Pat. You know, the, the argument about Rome is that it imploded itself, right? Because it it got the hubris, right? It got right. too big. It got too bloated. The bureaucracy was corrupting, um, you know, corrupt people doing corrupt things, absolute power corrupting, absolutely, blah, 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 blah. I think we have reached that point in America, uh, in an American life in which – it doesn't matter. We could put you or me in the president's chair tomorrow and it wouldn't matter. The same people are going to pull the strings. And until we, the people, take back the power to be able to influence, because it's the influence that matters, right? The power to influence those who are voting on our behalf instead of the bureaucracy setting them up themselves, right? Until that power dynamic shifts back to us, none of this is going to matter. Again, you know, you can make the arguments about the culture war all you want. 
Um, and I don't disagree with that, but it, it's all about the power that that culture shifts because we're seeing it right now. So yeah. that I, I think he's going to be the absolute cornerstone of something that most people don't understand is coming their way. I think you're going to see demands of Team GOP in the 2024 election to to the point that I think Vivek Ramaswamy actually understands it. He's he's come out, I believe, and said that there's going to be a he supports a law that limits the term of all unelected bureaucrats. Like they they're only allowed to serve for X amount of time before they're no longer allowed in government. I think that's valuable to American society because switching up switching up thought, switching up operation, switching up how one looks at something is very helpful to an organization. It's why when when some organizations change CEOs, they're not making that change because the CEO sucked. They're making that change because that CEO has been in that position for for 7, 10 years and it's time to to not just get a fresh set of or not just change for change's sake, but getting a fresh set of eyes on the the company and how it's operating and where it exists in the broader sphere of its industry, in the culture, in society, right? That can all be very helpful. Sometimes making that change has nothing to do with how the company is doing on its profit and loss. It has everything to do with can it sustain itself going forward? Does this person have the pulse today and in the future? And Tucker seems to get it. And I think he's going to help lead that movement. I really do. That we're going to change how our if if we're to keep our republic, it's not just that you know we believe in reviving liberty, but that that liberty comes at the expense of those who want to steal it from us, namely unelected bureaucrats. But with that being said, Pat, I think it's a great time for us to uh before we deep dive into the housing market to play a little bit of the B or not the B. Are you ready for that? Let's do it. All right, so today's B or not the B headline is a Washington State school district is scrapping music classes because they promote white supremacy. A Washington State school district is scrapping music classes because they promote white supremacy. And while you are thinking about that, folks, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. Do business with businesses that will not insult you. Do business with businesses that don't care about your politics. Because it's going to help us in that rebuild of a society based off of goods and services, not beliefs and values. Needing to be a thing that you uh, have to check a box on before you engage with the company. And that means going to our friends over at coffeebrandcoffee.com. Enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKING at checkout for 5% off of your purchase today. Again, that is coffeebrandcoffee.com, where they have coffee, tea, K-cups. They have uh, hot chocolate. They have everything that you could possibly want in the beverage category that doesn't involve soda or alcohol. (laughs) So go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, where they care about great coffee, not your politics, left or right, by the way. And with that, folks, 
Make sure to do business with people that don't insult you to your face. And we've seen that time and again where people go on conservative radio or conservative streaming or conservative podcasting, right? They buy the ad space because they know what? That that consumer base is loyal, 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 meaning they are screaming out for businesses that won't insult them. And then they they shut up and behind the scenes are insulting them, right? We've seen that time and again. So this is literally a business that is telling you, I don't give a rip about your politics. I want to provide you with a quality product. That's it. Coffeebrandcoffee.com. Critical thinking is the promo code. 5% off your purchase today. All right, Pat, do you need the headline one more time? No, because that was an obvious not to be headline. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, congratulations. We have now banked 100 central bank digital currency dollars in our central bank digital currency account that we don't have access to because our ESG score is not high enough, Pat. Well, and... Uh, and, and it's you know. largely because they, your soulless ginger counts like quadruple the amount of positive things that we provide to this earth. I mean... That's fair. That's now on to onto the actual story. Yo, people, I got a white supremacy update for you. Uh, says Cardinal Pritchard. Obviously, not the real name, but you know the deal. Uh, music, yes, that beautiful sound that we know so well is now a product of white supremacy. And take a wild guess as to what city in that's not Seattle, by the way, in Washington is now um, axing music classes. Walla Walla? No. Tacoma? You got one more guess. I'll give you a hint. It might involve a capital. Oh, Olympia. Hey, you know your capital of Washington State. Congratulations, Pat. Mm. Now, do you know the capital of Idaho? Boise. Oh, that was a joke and you didn't. Uh, I I know my capitals pretty well, Andrew. Thank you. Idaho? I don't know. <sighs> pat, pat, pat. All right. So, Washington's Olympia School District, two acts music classes for pushing white supremacy. From the article, a Washington school district is planning to cut music classes it believes promote, quote, white supremacy culture and, quote, significant institutional violence. <laughs> That's just literally word salad just thrown up on a page. The Olympia School District, which is facing a budget shortfall of $11.5 million, voted last week to eliminate band and strings for fourth graders in an effort to both <laughs> save money and fight racism. Hey, hear me out on this, Pat. When you're $11.5 million in the hole, yeah, um, music classes might be on the might be on the chopping block for fourth graders, right? And I'm going to guess that this has absolutely freaking lutely nothing to do with, quote unquote, institutional violence. This has every single thing to do with the fact that you need to scrimp and save every last penny to get out of an $11.5 million hole, which is likely created by you, I don't know, um, you cratering and caving to your teacher's union and I'm going to guess that um, you haven't been able to fund the pension, and that pension is creating an absolute massive hole every single year in your budget. 
just going to guess why. Because Local One, the the documentary, right, Pat? Here in the state of Illinois from Illinois Policy. Um, there's a reason why it's called Local One. It's called Local One because it was the very first organized teachers union in the entire country. Right. And uh, what do we face every single year? Unfunded pension liabilities that absolutely crater the CPS, the Chicago Public Schools budget and our state budget and our local government budgets every single year. I I happen to know this. I happen to live in this reality land. Uh, I'm going to guess that that has something to do with it. So... So you're gonna ax music classes for fourth graders, and and let's not forget, by the way, that the New York Post uh, produces pictures of students that are Asian, Hispanic, white, black, all playing string instruments. By the way, <clears throat> also there are many deep, deep studies that show um, people of the minority or low income persuasion, whites that are low income, blacks that are low income, Hispanics, Asians that are low income. Um, they all do much better in life when they're involved in this type of music production. It turns out that when you learn organization and structure, which is exactly what music provides, right? Because you literally have a structure. And then, and then once you've learned structure and you learn how to do jazz music, which is deconstructing structure, you tend to also do better uh, mentally. Yeah. So, way to hurt the mental health of students that you've already crushed their mental health on, by the way. <sighs> oh, but there's more, Pat. Are you ready for this? Uh, School board director Scott Clifthorn. 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 <laughs> admitted during the meeting that research uh, proves music classes are, quote, healthy for young minds, but that, they, but that they are disproportionately rolled out across the district's 12 elementary schools. Students at some campuses are required to miss, quote, core instruction in order to attend music classes, he said, while some campuses offer longer instrumental class time than others. We also know that there are other folks in the community that experience things like a tradition of excellence as exclusionary. Wouldn't the solution to this, quote unquote, uh, tradition of excellence as exclusionary, wouldn't the answer be finding a way to instill a tradition of excellence? And I have talked about this when I have interviewed um, people here in the city of Chicago, right, about CPS and about um, academic achievement in CPS, they say that the biggest hurdle is often the children and the culture of you ain't cool. You're going to get beat up if you pose and show that you're smart. That has to end. I'm not saying that people who are like there's always been the nerds and the jocks and this and that. Right. It's always going to be around. But the overall culture has to shift. Being educated and wanting to achieve, right? A culture of each achievement and excellence, period, should be a thing that's celebrated. Instead, like think of it this way, right? Chance the Rapper, here's a great example of this. One of the biggest proponents of Chicago, right? One of the people who invest in the city, invest in the youth, right? What is his goal? 
achievement, excellence for these kids. Why? Because he knows that there's a culture in the communities, especially in minority and poor areas, in which those who want to achieve, those who want to grab and go higher on the ladder are pulled back down because it's not cool. And how dare you? You're better than us? No, it's not about being better. It's about wanting to achieve. It's about striving. It's about wanting more for yourself. And we should all want that. Whether that's a, we want to strive for a better relationship with God, or we want to strive with a for better in our marriages, or better in all of our relationships with parents, with, you know, brothers and sisters, or whatever it might be, right? Friends, whatever that might be. We should understand what it means to want to strive for better. This is insane. This has nothing to do with, well, I was brought up in that culture of excellence, No, I was brought up in a culture, in a household in which my parents and many, 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 many other parents, whatever race, creed, religion they were, they demanded that you do the work. And as long as you did the work, great example of this, Pat, I was an A plus high achieving student in the social sciences and in English, right? Put me, put me in front of an algebraic equation, not going to happen. Put my brother in front of an algebraic equation, my brother is 19 months younger than me, put him in front of that same algebraic equation, and he would solve it about probably 50 times faster than I would. In fact, he was ahead of me in math by the time that I graduated high school. We were different in achievement. We were different in our skill sets, but our parents always demanded to do what? Do the work to achieve. Do the work. I had to, that meant for me getting a tutor. That meant for me finding a different way to learn math. And that's okay. But to this individual, that would be what? White supremacy. No. It had everything to do with me being able to graduate effing high school. Because I didn't understand math that well. That doesn't mean, by the way, I don't understand data or or statistics. That's stuff I got all day, every day. Because it turns out that I could relate that back to my love of what? Sports. But in sports, you don't necessarily need algebra, right? You don't need a, an algorithm to understand the game. Now, are there things that you could input science into within the game? Of course. But I was really good in some things and not. Guess what? If you have that culture of excellence, if you have that culture of achievement, it turns out that you end up finding what you're good at faster and better, and you become better at it. And more importantly, you pursue passion at that point. Right, Pat? Am I I missing anything? Not a damn thing. All right. With that being said, Pat, it is time for us to move forward because we uh, still have no access to our central bank digital currency account. Uh, Time for us to move forward to the world of mortgages in the housing market, right? So we mentioned um, the the shocking revelation, right, that um, the federal housing, uh, it's the FHFA, 
Okay, the Federal Housing Finance Association, right? Mm-hmm. They they finally publicly announced that come May first, the the fees that are going to be charged to people with good credit scores are going up, and the fees charged to those with low credit scores are going down. And this has led to a whole lot of talk and a whole lot of takes. And one of them that even I kind of jokingly mentioned this, right? Tank the crap out of your credit score while your partner has the uh, good one. Put it, put the loan in your uh, name and you're still good to pay, uh, but you're going to lower your fees. That's part and parse part. Well, it's actually not true. And I want to go over this, Pat. And I sent you a couple of emails. I don't know if you had the, uh, the the time to read through them, but I sent you a couple of emails that have some really good pieces of information to them. So first of all, this idea that you're going to tank your credit score, right? And that you're going to end up paying less than the individual who has a good credit score, right? That's the inference that many on the right, many have been um within the real estate industry putting out there and that is simply not true because in reality even with the lessening of the fee structure for those who have let's say a 640 or less credit score which is deemed risky credit okay you are still going to end up paying more in fees your interest rate is still going to be higher than the person paying on the 780 or whatever credit score. So here's a great example of this, okay? Um, a, a good friend of mine happened to put it very succinctly, okay? Because it also matters what your loan to value is and all of those things. So I'm just going to read this so people understand this. Okay, so if you've got a score, a credit score of 640 or lower, right? You're still going to be paying significantly more than if you had a 740 credit score. So we're going to use an 80% loan to value, meaning you're putting 20% down. Now, is that the reality for the vast majority of people buying homes today? Hell no. But it is a good measure that we can use because it is the thing that everybody wants to achieve because you get out of mortgage insurance and all that stuff. Okay. So what they call the LLPA, your loan level price adjustment, right? Meaning we're, we're also charging you a fee because you haven't achieved that magical 20%. So not only do you pay mortgage insurance, you're also paying a fee on top of your original um, APR that's quoted to you, okay? So at 640, that LLPA is 2.25% with, with that adjustment being made to it, Okay. Versus 0.875% for a 740 score. So it is a difference. You are paying 1.375% more on your interest rate for that lower credit score. On a $300,000 mortgage. Now that's not average, by the way. The average here in the city of Chicago is something like 342, I want to say. So anyway, you're paying just over $4,000 extra on a $300,000 mortgage by having that lower credit score. Even with the even with the adjustment in the fees that you're paying. Okay? Now, now, 
here's the here's the flip side of that coin. The part that is actually true is that what's happening is that the person at that 640 level is going to end up paying half as much as they used to pay. So instead of paying a 4000 instead of paying an $8,000 difference on that $300,000 mortgage, it's only $4,000 difference. Now, the hard part to swallow is that you, as that person with a good credit score, is, in essence, subsidizing that having of the difference, right? Because your fee is going up. And where is that going? It is going to subsidize that other that other thing. And it, the subsidy comes from that's money that the bank is going to use to backstop these loans at the 640, okay? So that's getting into the weeds a little bit. So I want you to understand that, okay? Now, from the mortgage side, you are if you talk to a lender, you're likely to hear this line, right? Well, this this rate has been known since January to us and and so we've been baking this rate in to your interest rate already. It already exists. I'm here to tell you don't buy that line. Now, it is true that in some instances banks and lenders have been adjusting their rates to to account for this, right? But it, it is technically something that only needs to start in May. Now, some have been doing this, but the vast majority of lenders and banks have not been doing this, Pat. And why would they not have been doing this? Uh, I'm just going to guess because this is not my area of expertise. Yeah. Um, this is I, this is a logic question. This isn't an expertise question. Well, I, my 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 guess would be is it it makes the banks more money. So the reason why they wouldn't be doing this, what is the biggest pressure on home buying today? You know, uh, probably interest rates, right? Right. So why would you increase your interest rate if you didn't have to as a bank or as a lender, right? Why would you right. artificially in well not artificially inflate, right? But why would you want to increase in, in a competitive environment in which you don't have to do it until May 1st? Why would you want to be a – so again, if I'm shopping my interest rate around, right? If I'm shopping my, my mortgage or my, want, my pre-approval around, right? Why would I want to put myself at a competitive disadvantage versus a bank that I know isn't doing this, right? Why would I do that? That would be dumb. Right? Right. It would be absolutely stupid to do so. So, with that having been said, that's how we know that this isn't true. Okay? Banks all over this country are being competitive when it comes to their interest rates. Also, I know this to be true because just last year, we heard what as interest rates began to rise as broader interest rates, not their interest rates, but broader, right? We began to see uh, movement upwards in the Federal Reserve interest rate, right? Right. Mm -hmm. we, we heard what from the lending, lending side, from the mortgage side? We heard that they were already baking in the cake the increases, all right? Any increase that would be associated with the broader recession and the broader economic issues are going to be baked into the cake. That didn't happen because why? The interest rates didn't like just spike like they should have if that were the case. They gradually increased until they really spiked come June and July of last year. 
into the six, six and a half, seven, seven and a half percent range. And now they're in the sixes and in some cases, low six, uh, high fives, depending on who you're going with and what you're doing and what your score is and, you know, all that sort of stuff, right? That's how I know this is also an untrue statement from anybody on the lending side who says that this has already been baked into the cake. That may, that may be true on a individual mortgage lender or bank lending level, but that is not broadly true. That will become broadly true on May 1st. So I hope you understand some of these myths that are out there. But Pat, the the thing that I don't get, okay, the thing that really kind of that we need to to talk about from a broader perspective is the reality of the housing market today. Because people are claiming that this is this is going to impact, right? This this whole thing is going to shut down the market. And we already have all sorts of pressures and look out for the housing market to put us into this deep, deep recession, although the great recession of 2008. And I've long said, Pat, right? I've long contended that the the numbers don't make sense for that to happen. It The conditions are not there like they were in 2008. And could we have the opposite problem? I want I want to put this in perspective, okay? Existing home sales fell 2.4% from February to March, okay? 2.4% to 4.4 million annualized pace. Sales were 22% lower than they were in March of last year. Now, that measure, okay, is existing home sales. That's 90% of the market. Now, it is true that buyer activity slowed in March, okay? That is true, okay? February, though, was exceptionally strong for closings. So, what, need, what if you're just taking that number in a vacuum, right? Oh, my God, sales slowed 2.4%. Compared to what, right? Compared to the fact that we outpaced what we thought was going to happen in February when it came to the number of houses that were closed on, right? This is why I've talked about the housing supply number and all of the things that you need to pay attention there. But multiple data points, and this is an article that um, that I got from MBS, uh, so like a mortgage uh, company, <coughs> not a mortgage company, but a mortgage watcher, okay? While it is true, again, that buyer activity slowed in March, February, exceptionally strong. So there was going to be a slight pullback, right? There had to, there, there easily had to have been a slight pullback. Understandable. Multiple data points suggest that demand continues to remain strong. Homes have stayed on the market for an average of just 29 days nationally, down from 34 days in February. So we had fewer closings in the month of March, but the time on market continues to decline. 65% of homes that were sold in March were on the market for less than a month. 65%, up from just 57% in February. So again, any measure that you want to take, statistically speaking, shows that homes are selling quicker. Why? Because the demand still exists for homes. 
Investors accounted for 17% of the transactions. That's roughly one out of every six deals. So investors, this is the other part, are clearly seeing deals to be had in the marketplace, right? That's why the that's why we're still seeing investors scooping up property like this. Now, there was a 0.9% decline in the median sales price of $375,700, okay? So $375,700 from a year earlier. But but that is not the same as a decline in home prices. Because the median home price means what? Half the homes sold were above that price and half of it were below it. And again, that can be skewed by what? The mix of sales among low-priced and higher-priced homes. So for example, if you're if you have in an area, right? Let's say you have all of the million-dollar homes go under contract right in a row, right? Would that skew that number one way or the other? Yeah, yeah, it would. It's a median number. The median number could still fall if the concentration of sales were on the lower end. Actual appreciation numbers are higher, though, not lower on a year-over-year basis. And that comes from Case Schiller, CoreLogic, Federal Housing Finance Agency numbers, all sorts of people that look at these numbers <coughs> and give us in the industry data. The real pressure comes from the housing starts, okay? They fell nearly 1% from February. New housing starts, building permits, which again are indicative of future supply, they fell 8.8% for the month of March. Now, single-family permits and housing starts, they did tick higher from February to March, but they were significantly lower year over year. So the bottom line, again, right? The housing sector is undersupplied. We have an undersupply. We have an over-demand. We have pricing pressures, right? And no matter what's going on in the mortgage market, people are still interested in getting into a home. There is no way that the coming housing crisis is coming. There's a difference between reverting to a norm right reverting to a median or a a middle ground in a housing crisis we are not going to invert the relationship between the amount of homes on the market and the amount of buyer pool that exists unless we were to see what happen in a broader economic sense pat hyperinflation because then that mortgage rate that you see today at five, six, seven percent, maybe even for bad credit, right? Or condos that are risky, that rate from seven percent is likely 14, 20, 21 percent. That would not invert the relationship, it would just kill the supply of housing. Oh, wait, we still have an issue with supply of housing as it stands. We have the job market issues. We have a broader recession to look at, but people are still craving to buy a home. And that's true in almost every market. Here in the Chicago market, we're under two months of supply. And that's, the pressure comes from people who bought their homes over the last five years saying what? Why am I going to triple my interest rate unless I have to? Right. So they're sticking in their homes longer. That's the reason behind all of this. 
So I hope people understand the numbers that, that I gave you and the deep dive that I'm giving you. Because even when we see the pressure of the raising of your fee, right, at the high end and the lowering of it, at the lower end, people are still craving homes. They're snapping them up faster. They are continuing to show high demand. And really what we actually have a problem with is supplying to meet the demand. We could, I'm not kidding you, Pat, we could triple, triple the supply of homes and still, still not meet all the demand that exists in the marketplace. Now, if we were to triple the supply of homes, we would also see mortgage rate pressure go down, by the way, too. Because we would see elasticity in the marketplace that that doesn't necessarily exist today, which does affect uh, interest rates. Uh, so, there's a lot of crap people are talking about that is completely untrue. There are slivers of truth hidden in there, but they're picking those slivers of truth and blowing them up to be the entire tree. And that's just not true. Um, any thoughts on... Anything that we talked about today? I think I think in regards to the housing market, if you are in the market for a home and you're you're watching the news or the media and and, and getting all of your information there, go go find a licensed real estate agent and try to find you know a licensed real estate agent that that is trustworthy. There are, there are resources to go out there and vet uh, uh, real estate agents. Um, because you want someone that's going to tell you the truth. It's going to tell you that, you know, hey, is this a good time for you to buy or not a good time for you to buy? And that's all largely going to be based, I think, on your individual situation as well. Yeah. And um, I'm just going to give people two two hints as to whether two things that you can do um, and listen for, more importantly, from a real estate professional, whether that's on the mortgage side or the or the the realtor side. Are they asking questions about your life? Somebody, somebody is. Somebody asked me this a few weeks ago. Should I sell my home? When's the right time to sell my home? And my answer is very simple to every single person that's going to ask this question, even if I know their situation. When is the right time to sell my home? The answer to this is: Has your life changed? I'm going to throw it back at you. I'm going to ask you, has your life changed? Because if it has, it doesn't matter about the interest rates. It doesn't matter about timing the market. It doesn't matter. You need to buy a, You need to change, right? You need to make a change. Uh, you're, you're adding to the number of people in your house or you're working from home and you had a one-bedroom apartment and you need a, a, a separate room for that, right? Or whatever the, the life change is, is your life changing? Are you moving? Are you relocating? Whatever it might be, right? If those things are happening, it doesn't matter what the market is doing. You can't time the market. Now, if you're an investor, that's a different equation. But again, what's your motivation? That's what I'm getting at. What What is your motivation for asking me this question? And then secondly, what have you heard about the marketplace? Uh, is, the, is the market hot? What have you heard? If they're willing to ask questions that make you give them answers, those are trustworthy agents. Okay. They're not just interested in making a sale. They're interested in understanding what is right for you. 
So ask them questions and listen to how they answer your questions. If they answer your question with a question, that's a trustworthy agent. Or if they tell you this simple truth, the answer is it depends and it's going to depend on your motivation. With that, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And Joe Biden didn't know that he was running for re-election until he announced he was running for re-election. Wait, he he Diane Feinstein that? Or Feinstein did? Anyway, please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.